Welcome to Box Out Banter. I'm Chris Okamura, and the, joining me as always, the all-star himself, Mr. Jordan Christmas. How's it going, Jordan? Uh, I feel good. You know, don't feel snubbed or anything. Felt like it was a well-deserved all-star appearance. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I should... Full disclosure, because I know we're going to talk about the all-star game for a little bit first before we get into our updated tier list. Um, I kind of checked out of the all-star game yesterday. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah, I did for a little bit. Uh, so I only watched... So I only watched the... I only caught the second quarter. And that was probably from what from what the rest of the game looked like and sounded and highlights I watched later. It sounded like the second quarter was probably the quarter to tune into. Yeah, that's <laughs> the one that woke me up. It's what yeah, I, that I was... wanted to talk about of like, because I was just kind of like, I had it on in the background and I was kind of doing stuff. And then yeah. Steph and Dame started just shooting these threes. From half court. Giannis was hitting step back threes. And him and, him and Jokic apparently have developed a buddy-buddy friendship. Which is uh, which is pretty cool. Um, but uh, no, LeBron and Steph playing together. LeBron's LeBron stands and Steph stands had to unite on Twitter for one night. <laughs> they well, were, they... the funny thing was, do you see LeBron and AD's tweets afterwards and Laker mm-hmm. Twitter going nuts? Well, I saw LeBron's tweets. I didn't see Anthony Davis's Twitter. AD AD was just basically like more praise on Steph, and then so Lakers <laughs> Twitter went nuts. Like, hey, Steph yep. hasn't signed an extension yet. Yep, 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 and, <laughs> and then all and then all the photoshops of, of Steph in the Laker jerseys. It was great. I was I was having a good time. <laughs> I also loved the uh, the back to back alley oops from Steph and Chris Paul. And uh, yeah, I, Bill I'm... Simmons mentioned this the other. Bill Simmons mentioned this on his recent podcast too. But there was I didn't see the rest of the game, but in the second quarter, I could definitely tell there were some possessions when Harden and Chris Paul were on the same court, and you could tell. <laughs> <laughs> that there that there is still something there there's some animosity there for the yeah. old Houston days like Harden had a transition layup and Chris Paul was doing his annoying as shit Chris Paul thing where he's like tracking you from behind and swiping at you from either side trying to get the ball and James Harden was trying to stay ahead and dribbled it up for a layup and missed it <laughs> he's like, like you can just tell some stuff is still there <laughs> well it's it's funny I'm I was telling my dad I was like I'm amazed that Chris Paul can still dunk yeah, like I haven't seen him dunk in. He dunked in last year. He dunked in last year's All Star game. Oh, that's right, he did. Yeah, he did. He only busted out for the All Star game, but uh, <laughs> I think Chris Paul has figured out. He's like the point guard version of what LeBron has figured out in terms of nutrition and keeping your body in shape and stuff. Yeah. Especially with the injuries Chris Paul had the last two years, the year, the years prior to uh, being traded to Oklahoma City. So uh, before he went vegan and all that, um, so it seems like he's figured out how to preserve his body because now, you know, he's Dude, absolutely net. I mean, any team he goes to, like they automatically win. So kudos to Chris Paul it, with his uh, still sneaky hops. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I do want to bring up, too, that the three point contest was probably one of the best endings I've seen in a three point contest. Oh yeah, uh, I did see. Years. I did see that. Yes, I did see the. That was uh, great. Mm. Yeah, um, of course. Of course, you know. Of course, you know the greatest shooter ever. Yeah, you know, comes the only in the, the only person the only person that can challenge Steph in a three point contest is Clay. Clay Thompson. <laughs> just, just, and and I don't even mean skill wise. Like I think in a round, Steph could lose. Oh, yeah. Like in any given round, but in a three point contest where, because there's 
everyone else in the three-point contest, Conley, the only reason Conley did well was because he's also a push shooter. They're not jump shooters. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't think people realize when you're shooting that many threes in that short bursts, being a jump shooter, you're exhausted. <laughs> I, I remember I did it a few times in, a, in high school, uh, but there was, like, we'd only have, like, three racks out at a time. These guys are shooting six from NBA yeah. range and two deep ones. And I remember, like, by the end of the fir- the fourth ball, I'm like the first rack. I was my legs were dead. Already. Yeah. So like it's, when you watch rough. when you watch like Devin Booker or like not Devin Booker, uh, Donovan Mitchell shoot, like yeah, he's hitting the first couple, but like dude, towards the end, he's just gassed. Yeah. Where you mm-hmm. when you look at when you look at Conley or Steph, they're consistent the whole way through because they're not putting a lot of effort into their legs. They're just you know they're yeah. Kinda... Their motion is so their actual shooting motion is so pure. Like Clay doesn't really. I've seen Clay like Clay uh, was the Clay first. Sit still. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, Clay was the first player I've seen where you know the player will throw a pass to him and he could catch the pass like right at his eyes where the shooting pocket's already ready and he just launches it without even gathering or bringing the ball down or anything. He just catches it at eye level and then just pulls it. And um, the theory of what you're saying with the push shot and stuff, like Steph and Clay would easily, like Steph and Clay, they, on, you see them in the three-point contest, they really use their motion. They don't use their leg that much anything yeah yeah it's it's really wild um matt barnes posted like his his what his all-time three-point contest would be and ray allen was on the list with like steph clay a few others and gilbert arenas commented on it uh to your point about the whole using your legs for jump shots gilbert was saying that ray allen would would come in last because ray allen used his legs a A lot. lot on his on his jump shots and uh he won he won a three-point contest he's one of the greatest shooters ever but in an all-time three-point contest uh that was kind of an interesting uh tidbit for that's why when you go when you go agent zero he's spot on and when you when you go back and watch like even bird like bird doesn't bird is all motion too like he didn't jump at all yeah and that's that's the reason why he won it three times right like (laughs) which one of y'all coming in second place yeah you know like I would put Bird in there. Reggie Miller would also be a jump shooter that would kind of have a little bit more trouble. Oh, yeah. Um, By the way, another... The dunk contest has kind of been really going downhill since 2015. And uh, they decided to force America to watch the dunk contest anyway (laughs) at halftime. Well, I will say, say, if Anthony Simons did kiss the rim, I would have flipped out. That that yeah, I guess that would. But you probably could have. He would have. He would have broke his face. He would have broken his face. (laughs) But sure, yeah. (laughs) If he hadn't done that one extra dangerous stunt, he might have gotten an extra five points from the judges. Which, by the way, the the scoring system for the dunk contest also is is stupid because then guest judges will start giving out like you know Dwayne Wade like or or dunks that are clearly tens and they give him like an eight like Dwayne Wade's infamous uh infamous uh not giving a 10 on a dunk of yeah in last year's all-star game um somebody else brought this up the other day I I won't for and uh I kind of forgot about it but John Collins did a dunk where he put on old-timey pilot gear and yeah. jumped over a model plane and destroyed that shit <laughs> 
so I will the I forget what year it was, but it was a it was it was pretty recent. But it was a year where the judges were Dr. J, Dominique Wilkins, Vince Carter, uh, and forget who and I forget who else. But like, if you don't have those three guys on your judging panel, yeah, I don't like those are the only three guys that matter. Yeah, you, you got talking about dunk? there has to be like an established judgeship. I also think the problem is with these dunk contests now we've kind of seen everything youtube has kind of been inundated us also there's like professional dunkers now and stuff like that i think we jordan klingon baby i think we might be reaching a point where maybe you know the dunk contest is maybe uh well it's out of date but you know i don't think out of date i think it's just a thing of like being super athletic doesn't isn't it anymore like well the big need... names ju- the big names don't want to do it anymore that's yeah. the other thing yeah but i mean like the thing is the being just super athletic doesn't matter anymore it's like you need to have some creativity and some thought to it i don't yeah. think a lot of people put thought into it of like oh i'm gonna do this or like this is cool like i if if big if if like zion i've seen stuff that zion does in games like if zion did it like yeah he has creativity he cares about the way he dunks and like, yeah. the way he looks when he dunks where I feel like when you grab guys that don't have that flair, like Anthony Simons, as athletic and great as he is, as a dunker, he didn't have the creativity and the flair to like do all yeah. the crazy stuff that we want to see. I thought Cassius Stanley was going to pull off some creative dunks based on like what I've seen on you know clips of him on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, he seemed like he... Well, one, he's a high flyer, first of all, but it just seemed like he was going to do well, but then he started doing the Birdman thing in one of his last rounds where he had like four or five attempts. I had the dunk contest on on the side, just kind of looking back and forth because I work overnight. So I was heading into work anyway, which was also kind of the reason I checked out of the All-Star games because it wasn't, it did, it looked like Team LeBron was going to blow them out. And then uh, by the end of the first half, and turns out it, that was it. And then for me, once Embiid and Simmons got ruled out, it was kind of like, okay, like Team Durant's going to get demolished because they don't have Durant and they don't have, you know, the league MVP on the and all-star games really don't matter. I'm glad they, I, I was actually hoping Embiid would not go to the all-star game just for yeah. rest purposes. Um, but It worked uh, out for you. Yeah, so it did work out in a way, but not in the way, not in the way that, uh, where where I where I feel comfortable about the status for their next right. games on the schedule, um, just with the LeBron media mafia needed, by the way. Um, but uh, that's neither here nor there. But you know, the All Star Day. I mean, sure, like it, it was. It was really just meant for me. I also just didn't think the All Star game was necessary. I don't. I never yeah. thought we'd be in a world where the NBA would be the only sports league trying to pull off an all-star game during a pandemic when they were the only league that was clearly lapping the field in terms of how to respond to this pandemic uh, over the I NFL think, and I think, MLB. I think, it, I think but, it gave them a lot of confidence of like, oh, we understand how to do this and we understand where we're at and, hmm. and we understand the pandemic more than anyone else. I, I, I My thing was, I, you have to name all-stars and you have to name... Oh, yeah. Just, I would have been to, fine with naming all-star the, teams. Just due to the contracts and stuff like that and like, everything yeah. going on that's tied of to that course. and i think that's important but like having the actual game i think was like kind of superfluous um but yeah I, it it was a good showing 
I just don't think it was necessary. It was um, a good second quarter showing, uh, too. <laughs> I really also like. Did you honestly, see the Did you see the clip of uh, Did you see the clip that was going around of Steph at the end of the game? Where he uh, held up the three sign when uh, or he when he was Dame, waving goodbye. When Dame was inbounding the ball. Yeah. He didn't even. He's not even shooting yet. Yep. And Steph just started waving, and Dame pulled up like. Did, this, sorry about sorry about that, guys. Like Chris had fatherly duties to attend I to, did. which is more which is more important than <laughs> us talking about basketball. So get so, so uh, of there's course, gonna be a big we, cut there. <laughs> of course, Chris, we we would we would wait for you, no problem. Um, what was I saying? We were talking about Steph Curry and Dame Lillard. Oh yeah, uh, so, so seeing Steph, those. Oh, sorry, literally go ahead. Waving goodbye as Dame was dribbling up the court. Yeah, like he, yeah. Imagine having th- that amount of confidence in someone taking a half court shot, dude. Like they, the way where they were pulling up from it was, uh, it was kind of, uh, it was kind of ridiculous. You know, it was, like, an, it was enough to make Paul George admit he was wrong two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The infamous, uh, I don't care what anybody says, that's a bad shot. Like, not not for those, not for those two back. specific. Yeah, I know he walked it back. That was kind of crazy. Uh, I guess uh, when you see two of your teammates pu- make four pull-up threes from half court, it, things uh, kind of tend to uh, change your perspective. <laughs> when you see two aliens shooting threes from space, that was it, it. Part of seeing the All Star Game. Part I will say of what is cool about the All Star Game is seeing players being paired together that you know you would never see. Like seeing LeBron and Steph. Obviously, that's a op duo but seeing lebron just like drive it to the paint and then flick a 30 foot one-handed pass to steph who just steps five feet below the half court line and then pulls up for three it's a that's cool that is that is some cool stuff but yeah i uh the all-star game for me just it just wasn't needed but uh it is a much needed break for the players obviously the season's weird um the the you know there was a quick turnaround and Teams, I think, were just ready for this uh, all-star break. So, yeah, definitely. Very. Uh, I'm very happy that uh, at least people were having fun and like. Yeah. Again, we had we had a. Well, LeBron a big... looked like he wanted to. He checked out. He only played like 13. Minutes. Yeah. He only, <laughs> hey, man. Uh, when you when you're picking your team, you pick your team so you can sit down and hang out. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Do you want it? Do you want to uh, re-rank the uh, Eastern Conference? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Uh, so, um, do you have our original typ- list? I have my original list with me. Okay. Um, in typical fighting game fashion, they, we are updating our tier list post All Star break. Next week, we'll probably do the West. Uh, I don't think there'll be that many games played to where it'll it'll change or anything. it'll change because I think the yeah. season comes back Thursday. Um, so there won't be that many games where we it'll alter. I don't think it'll alter our rankings or anything, but. Um, Let's uh, start with the East. Um, so in my original tier list, if I could uh, pull it up um, right here, um, in my original t- uh, Easter Conference tier list, I had a tier one uh, vulnerable beast of the East, and I had only two teams in there. I had the Bucks and the Celtics. Funny how that changes. Um, I still have the tier named the same, vulnerable beast of the East, although... The vulnerable part is uh, that that word is starting to be of less and less significance to me as I yeah. watch these teams play. Um, I have the Nets one, and I know what you're thinking. Like, why? I have the Sixers why, here. 
you have the six okay let's stop let's stop right there then so it is very clear to me i for me i still have the reason i have the nets number one is one the fact that kevin durant is not back yet and the nets are still on a tear and they just got blake griffin (laughs) and they i'm i'm still trying to figure out how much blake will mean uh so so, so am i but the more i think about it the more i'm like He's an upgrade over what they have. <laughs> I get. I guess if he's an upgrade over Luwawu Cabarro or Shamit, he should play. I don't think you know he's been better than Jeff Green this year. Bruce Brown has been a revelation for them. I'm glad yeah, Bruce Brown has great. finally got out of Detroit and found his role because I liked him as a player coming out of Miami. Dude, shout um, out to shout out to players getting out of Detroit and showing what they can do. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're Jeremy Grant, you did the inverse somehow. You did the <laughs> <True>. impossible. <laughs> but think think about over the last couple of years, you have KCP. Yep, who's playing amazingly for the Lakers, been a really important role player there. Bruce you Brown. Have Bruce Brown. You have Christian Wood. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, well, then, then there's some like Luke Kennard, who uh, I will gladly, I will gladly eat the crow on that one. Um, he's getting paid sixty four million dollars to, you know, be on the bench. But uh, anyway, yep. I called um, that when the season started. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, the Nets are uh, terrifying. Uh, Kate, it seems like Kyrie and Harden have figured out the pecking order. Kyrie's like, okay, I'll go back to when I was. A spectacular scoring machine. Um, they they're both borderline 50, 40, 90 guys. Harden is has rekindled his dynamic passing as a as the primary ball handler. And the fact that KD's not even back yet, who is the most malleable superstar ever, it just makes this team terrifying. They already have the best offensive rating in NBA history. Um, DeAndre Jordan is starting to get a little bit better as a defender. Um, he's not he's not a negative. He's He's average. Um, some nights he could be above average. I still don't like the matchup, potential matchup of an Embiid and Giannis, obviously. But um, I think the Nets need one buyout, more buyout guy on the interior because I really don't think Blake Griffin is going to help no. that much. It's, but um, It's looking like, from what I'm hearing, the Lakers and the Nets are both targeting DeAndre uh, yeah, Drummond. Yeah, that's the, that's the reports that, uh, that have been surfacing uh, with with that uh they're monitoring cleveland to see if they're gonna buy out andre drummond but uh this nets team is very terrifying and i j- still just think in a potential playoff series against the sixers even if you pencil in and beat for 40 and 15 um you're just gonna we need a lot more from the nets and yeah. um or need a lot more from the sixers to match the Nets' scoring and they just have a terrifying roster up and down like any any of the other nets they just get wide open shots. Joe Harris is shooting damn near 50% from three on the most wide open shots he's probably ever seen in his life. Um, this team is terrifying. And as much as I love the Sixers and I think Embiid is hands down the MVP right now at this point in time in the season, um, the Nets are just, they're spectacular. So I'm curious yeah. to see why you have the Sixers number one. Well, I don't have them. I might be, no, I, I might be I reserved the, in my. I have the net. No, I have the Nets one. I have the, oh, I have okay. the Sixers in this tier, though. Um, oh, I have, I have them, the Sixers in this tier, too. Yeah, I have them. I mean, it's a weird middle ground because I think the Nets are clearly the best team in the East. I think I have the I have the Sixers in like a 1.5, like midway between one and two, because I think they're better than every other team. In yeah. the East, but they're not as good as the, as the Nets. If that makes sense. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Well, I have, I have them. In, I have the Nets, Sixers, and Bucks all in the same tier. But there's a okay, clear, yeah. there's a clear order 
Yeah, so I just have, I have, I have, I have the Nets in tier one. I have the Sixers in tier one point two, and then I have the Bucks in tier or in tier two. So I have okay. them in three different distinct buckets. But I mean, it, it's they're all the same thing above the at. East, right? Well, they're all the Bucks. Well, those three teams are above. Yeah. the East is what you're saying. Yeah, I, yeah. I have those th- three teams at the top. It's just I have them clear. Like there's very clear separations between all of them. I think. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I think that. For every reason you listed, the Nets are absolutely terrifying. Um, the Sixers, to me, are really starting to figure it out. It's really weird though, because I feel like they have all the pieces, and they just like you, they have. It's just something like they do, they do wrong for weird reasons. Like they have three point shooters that don't want to shoot threes. It's really, it's really bizarre. I'm <laughs> like, glad you brought this you, up. I you hate probably, this shit. <laughs> you probably you probably watch them more than I do, but every time I watch them, they get wide open threes that like their three point shooters. Just, don't Seth take. Curry. Seth Curry is the primary culprit of this. Like he'll pump fake a three that he has that he initially yeah. has, and it's like any quick trigger three point shooter would take that shot. Yeah. Right. And he just he'll pump fake, and then he'll dribble himself into trouble, or he'll try yeah. a sidestep three. And it's no, like this dude, is something that this is something that Danny Green does did with the Lakers last year that was yeah. frustrating me, and I see him do it now with the Nets or with the with the Sixers, and I go, oh well, there he is, pump fake there. from the corner, dribble in for a bullshit floater that's not going to go in, or get or get lost, or go, yeah, dribble in, get lost, and not know what to do with it, and kick no, it. No, my out. favorite is when he pump fakes an open corner three, and the defender still runs at him and closes out, and then he shoots a contested corner three right in the (laughs) right in the defender's face it's like what (laughs) just take the three (laughs) no you're spot on with that though like there's just something with this team and i think also part of it is uh primary creation from the perimeter so this is why i think Pending a Lowry trade, I think the Sixers are right ranked correctly. I actually think a Lowry trade would put the Sixers in a potential Lowry trade would put the Sixers in the same category as the Nets because yeah. they still need that one guy who can from the guard spot that can drive off pick and roll and generate threes that way. It's one thing to generate open threes through Joel Embiid and their half court offense is amazing when both Simmons and Embiid are on the court, but you still need the, my main problem all year with this team and why I've been hesitant to say they could win the East. I think they're a conference finalist team for sure, but like in a potential matchup with the Nets, if you can't get some easy baskets by just driving to the paint through a pick and roll guard, especially in the playoffs, then I just you're going to find more stagnant possessions than you want to in a playoff series. Yeah. And so I think that's one of the reasons why the Sixers, <laughs> it just looks, it, it lo- it's weird because the record and everything, it looks good and B dominates, it looks good. Simmons is has found this newfound offensive aggression that has taken his game to the best basketball of his career. And that's awesome to watch. But then you just look at the bare bones of this roster. It's still really weird. Like, there's still stuff missing, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, again, it just looks like... it. It When I watch them, there's something off about them. And I'm just like, yeah. I feel like they're not using their pieces to the highest extent that they can. And I don't even blame coaching at that point. I'm just kind of like, huh. Yeah, because it's, sure. it's also, a, I'm telling you, it's the same on. stuff. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. I do, I do want to bring this up. And I don't know how you feel about this as a Sixers fan. But can we please stop, contri- like attributing all Joel Embiid's success to Doc Rivers and Doc That's, Rivers? Okay, unlocking- so I was actually going to say that before you said, uh, <laughs> "Let me get this." I was going to say the exact same thing because can we just get you- this out? Like, <laughs> can we just okay? 
I think Doc Rivers does deserve some credit for holding. I, I think he deserves no credit. I think he deserves some credit because there is there was some element of Brett Brown not well one, the voice eventually got too stale, but also there was some there were some, you know, rumblings of, you know, Joel and Ben kind of tuning him out, not holding his players as accountable last year. But I fully agree with you, dude, because if you look at the same if you look at the statistical profile of the Sixers, it's basically identical. They still turn the ball over a fuck ton. They don't run a lot of pick and roll. Um, they don't shoot a lot of threes despite having a lot of shooters. And Brett Brown was better than Doc Rivers in all these categories so far. I give Doc Rivers credit for trying stuff and lighting a fire <clears throat> kind of under Simmons, especially. I think Embiid was already coming into the season motivated. Like, yeah. like we were saying on the preview pods i was i wish i'd followed my own advice but i was saying put money on joel and b to mvp odds because i think he's a dark horse candidate um so i fully agree with you the reason the sixers are better is because joel and b has been playing like the best player in basketball this season yes that's that's why um it's not because doc rivers came in with some new mumbo jumbo mumbo jumbo magic but it just, magical it just offense. to me it just pisses me off because it adds yeah. so much to like this doc rivers mystique that doesn't exist and yeah, it's like I, I think I think he, I think he's a good coach, but he's still running on fumes from that. We talked about this. He's he, running on fumes no, from that. 08 no, team. no team has gotten more out of an NBA Finals than the 08 Celtics. But but remember, they are undefeated when their full starting five plays together. So that oh 2010 Finals does not count. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Bruh, like this is. There's I, no, I mean, there's no way. There's no way Kendrick Perkins and. And Paul Pierce have analyst jobs if they didn't win that 08 championship. <laughs> There's none. no way. None, none. Um, but no, well, just real quickly, I don't want to get sidetracked with it, but I ranted about this on Twitter. The national discourse, I'm glad Embiid's getting MVP buzz, but I guess as a fan, I'll never be happy with how a person talks about my team. So that's also partly me. But I do hate that everybody's coming to the to the destination but they're taking all the wrong paths when talking about Embiid. <laughs> yeah. it is so, it's like he's shooting less he's shooting less threes it's like well he's only taking 0.4 less per game than last year he's basically taking the same amount and he's shooting 42 percent from three also i don't care if he shoots three i don't care if he shoots five to seven threes a game he's still gonna post up he's still gonna get 11 free throws like he's a great player i'm not in the business yeah. of limiting a great player I, I, to me, it's the a... thing. It's the thing of like, it's Occam's razor, right? It's the, it's the, it's you know, Occam's razor, right? It's yeah. Thing I, of, I don't. I don't. I, I'm not saying don't post him up all the time. I'm just saying I don't care if he shoots threes because he's good at it. You know. Yeah, but it's like it's it's Occam's razor where it's like, oh, why isn't Beat so good? And everyone or this season, and everyone's trying to figure it out, and it's like he's just gotten better. Like yeah, that's, that's it. Like he's just playing better. Like that's all. There's no explanation as to like schematically reasoned why like he's yeah. just playing better and by the way the o the in shape thing yeah he needed to be in shape but also i think that was overblown because he's only had two off seasons in his career which was 2018 and if you remember in the 2018-19 season look at his numbers he was a monster that's because the 2018 summer he was healthy this extended off season he was healthy he got in shape and now look what he's doing it's there's a correlation here it's not just because Embiid was some fat slob who 
um, you know, just didn't care about working on basketball. He clearly worked on his game and stuff. It's just he never had a healthy offseason in his career, you know? And I just... I, it's just me being a fan and being mad. That, that's all. Just don't mind me. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about the Bucks in the uh, in the next tier. Um, so I just don't trust the Bucks. I don't trust the Bucks either. But the I don't trust the Bucks come playoff time, and I mainly don't trust them because of Mike Budenholzer. I think if they had a good coach, because remember, this team was what five minutes away from going up 3-0 in the. 2019 yeah. Eastern Conference Finals. I think this team could come out of the East. The reason I am kind of warming up back to the Bucks: one, Giannis is playing the best basketball of his career right now. Um, Kevin O'Connor had some good tidbits in his power rankings today about Giannis being able to figure out more advanced reads, how the first 20 games of the season, he led the NBA in charges against him uh, per possession. And that has gone down over the last 17 games to like, you know, the lowest percentile you can get to. And he's making advanced reads. He has a pet post move now. He's around the basket more. I have to give the Bucks credit on this. They're trying stuff. And um, it's weird because we've been wanting Mike Budenholzer, especially myself as a critic, to try and have him try new stuff. And I've kind of been looking at them early on. I was guilty of this. I was looking at them through the scope of, well, let's wait and see to the playoffs. But as I watch them closely, they are trying new stuff. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are handling more of the ball handling and crunch time and putting Giannis in the role spot, which is actually, he's been devastating in that role. And that's probably what a lot of Bucks fans and um, boomer and boomers who, who, had neither thirst quenched for the 90s brick ball of being around the basket all the time. They, they're happy to see this. Um, but uh, Giannis has been, you know, he's, he's been adjusting his game. And he's actually, he's had some skillful, like, finishes this year and stuff. I could just tell he's put a lot more effort into thinking about what skills to add. And I think one is the advanced reads, the more advanced reads he's making. And also... He being used in different spots on the floor, I guess is what I would say. And then, like while their while their bench might be weak, their top their top half of their roster is really good. Well, aside from Brooke Lopez, who has been playing like dog shit since halfway through last <laughs> year, but um, I mean, remember when Brooke Lopez Brooke Lopez was a legit defensive player of the year candidate, and then he just yeah. fell off a cliff in the bubble, especially and uh, so far this year. But Bobby Portis has been solid. Um, don't know if like the smaller guards on the roster, like DJ Augustine and Brim Forbes are going to see that many rotation minutes in the playoffs. But if Bud finally decides, Hey, maybe I should play my stars 40 minutes <laughs> in a playoff game. The Bucks have a better chance of coming out of the East, but, uh, I still have them below the Sixers and the Nets because in a series, I feel pretty confident if I'm a Sixer fan going up against the, the Bucks. Yeah. I just, I don't, it's so interesting watching the all-star game yesterday where, I was like, wow, this is what Giannis could look like with uh, high-level offensive creators. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, could you imagine if he had this all the time? Like, how unstoppable he could be? Yeah. And it's something where I'm like, man, I don't know if that is... Because Chris Middleton's a good playmaker, but he's not like... He's not like yeah. the high-level... He's not like a point creator. guard who could set the table and all that shit, you know? Drew Holiday yeah. is like more of a combo guard too, and uh, 
you know, this first inclination isn't passing, although they can pass and are decent playmakers. Chris is a good one, but I get what you're saying. Like, you see him, especially playing with Jokic yesterday. Just imagine that duo. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, to me, it just it, it screamed to the rooftops of like, wow, could you imagine what they would look like? Yeah, they could have traded for Chris Paul in the uh, for the last two off seasons, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so, like that, that would have been crazy. And actually, I think they would have matched perfectly just temperament wise and stuff because Giannis is a maniac about winning games. And I know Chris Paul would love that. That would be that would be insane. Actually. <coughs> Bless you. Thank you. Um, yeah, the, every time I was, well, I was just watching the all-star game going like, man, could you imagine yeah. what, what they could look like? Um, mm. so yeah, it was, it's pretty interesting to just see like, again, I, I think Giannis is being misused slightly. I, I don't think he is the offensive, uh, like one man show that they've been using him as. Yeah. Um, but they are trying different stuff, which is good. They are. Uh, again, I'll give I'll give them a lot of credit for you know making some adjustments and, and doing. It's just ninety percent of the reason I have the Bucks ha- are where they are. I have them in the ranking is just because of Mike Budenholzer. I'm just not a. I'm not. He's a regular season coach that's a fraud in the playoffs. To sorry, it sounds like a sports radio calling the anti, the anti Bud. The anti the ant- Buds. Well, like I used to be a Bud guy, but. Man, after these last few playoffs, I don't know, man. And Bucks fans are getting sick of him too, which is also funny. Um, but uh, yeah, the Bucks. I think they're clearly the third team in the East. They're probably the thing is like between these three teams, it, it there's not much separation for the top seed in the East. But uh, I just see in terms of who I've been more impressed with, and you know, talent wise, and who has the MVP and stuff like that. Just the Nets and the Sixers are to me a cut above the Bucks, just a bit. Totally fair. All uh, right. So the this fun, is where it starts to get interesting. The fun part. Can I uh, tell you the? Hold on. You you set it up. I'm going to bring up the standings real quick. So I have in this tier. In this tier, I have. Sorry. The, before we go over the tiers, four through twelve. The four through twelve seeds is separated by four games. If you want to go to the thirteenth seed. It's separated by five games. It's a sardine yeah, there's, can. There's, yeah, there's a smorgasbord going on down here. Yeah. Uh, so in this next tier, I have the Celtics and the Heat. Okay. Yep. Wow. We're we're going bar for bar right now. <laughs> okay. You stole my whole flow. Word for word. <laughs> bar for bar. <laughs> yeah. So I have Celtics Heat. Uh, I don't think it's. Relative, I don't think it's that close. I think like it's pretty straightforward there. I have the Raptors um, in this tier as well, right behind them. The tier two. Okay, me. that's fair. I can see that. Um, the Celtics have I, been. A... I'm, I'm pretty low on the Raptors, um, but I can understand why you have them there. So this is basically a Nick Nurse bump, um, and the fact that he's finally decided to say, "Fuck it, I'm not playing centers. I'm just going to play my best." players in the starting lineup so yeah that's why i have him in this tier but uh yeah what do you what have you uh so is it the celtics thing is it more of a respect thing have has it been their recent turnaround where they've won four in a row um i just think it, like when you have two guys with like Jalen brown and tatum Jason that you're, Tate, eventually gonna, yeah. you're eventually gonna figure it out yeah um 
Also, I think their style will be more suited for the playoffs. They have some of the games they've lost, they have been close and they've blown them. Um, they definitely need some players because they're weak, but they're weak three to 12 probably. And maybe some nights when Kimba's knee isn't acting up, but I don't know. Like, I just respect Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown a lot. And I think they are suited to play playoff basketball. And I think there's like a possible Vooch trade maybe they could make. Yeah, I can see that. Like that would um, just that, that would actually fix a lot of the Celtics problems because it would it would it would it would, un- it would it would unclog <clears throat> the paint it would you know um it would take over Tristan Thompson's minutes um who has been up and down this year um but yeah I I still there's a respect factor for the Celtics there for me with Brown and Tatum that it's like all right that they're still like. They're not as good as the Sixers, Nets, or Bucks, but they could give them a series. I could see that. In the, in yeah, the, they in could the definitely scenario. they could steal one. And I think like I, I think I know you're not like as high in Brad Stevens, but like I think that Brad Steve like this comes down to like I, I just think, think he's I have, a tad overrated. I think he's a good coach. I have I have high I have high trust in Stevens and in Spolstra, and so like I I just think like they they elevate their teams schematically, and and I think they can give. With the with the talent they have on the on both those squads, I think both of them can give the top teams some trouble. And I yeah. don't think they I don't think they would I think there's a very clear distinction in terms of just pure talent on a roster between yeah. this half, like these these five teams that we're talking about, and then the rest of the East. I think yeah. there's a very distinct talent gap there. And yeah. then you add on top of that the coaching, I think I just think they're gonna figure it out and they're gonna be fine. Um Yeah. The Heat especially, because we kind of knew they were going to... Um, we kind of well, knew they were going to start figuring it out. Yeah. And mm. I think it's... it's They went through... Like, the Lakers are going through it now, but they're going... Like, the Heat got got it done with early, where they they went through their exhausted... We're hurt, and we need time to rest. They had a phase. lot of COVID... They had a lot of health and safety protocol. Yeah. So they got rid of that out because of that. Yeah, yeah, they got rid of that early, and they're they're now starting to ramp up where the Lakers really kind of pushed it off, and then now they're at the point where like, all right, guys, we need to rest, guys, and we need to we need to like take it easy. Um, but like the yeah, I just I just think they're gonna figure it out, and I have no doubt in my mind that they're gonna be a force to be reckoned with towards the end of the season. Dude, um, Jimmy Butler's been a monster. Too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He's and been Bam, a monster. Bam's Bam's been great. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Duncan Robinson's taken a little bit of a step back, but I think those type of players they're just being more game planned for now. But uh, yeah. the Heat just even, have they even they have even when they're being ga- even when even when Hero and Duncan are being if you're scheming and trying to stop them, that's what they want, right? Like, yeah, th- those are the guys who are like, yeah, cool. Even if they're not doing anything, they're just their presence on the floor as shooters is such a key thing. Yeah, uh, cool. Yeah, they're so, probably like a trade or a buyout guy away, I imagine. They're yeah. to at least compete a little bit more. So this is where I have I I have this next tier. I have a uh, this is my starting can. This is my this this is where like I have everyone else. Yeah, yeah. In in this order, I have Knicks, Hornets, Raptors, Pacers, and Wizards. Okay, interesting. So the bulls aren't <laughs> the bulls aren't in there for you. No. See, I would have the bulls slightly over the wizards. Um, I have them in this next tier. So my this is my tier three. I have the Pacers, Knicks, Hornets, Bulls, Wizards in that order. Um, no so, Knicks. Uh, 
What? No Knicks? I have the Knicks. Pacers, oh, okay. Pacers, Knicks, Hornets, okay. Bulls, Wizards, in that order, is is in my next tier. Remember, okay. the Raptors are were in my yeah, you're second right, tier. Right above. And so, uh, so who is your, so, uh, okay. I have so, Knicks, Hornets leading this tier. Okay. So, uh, let's, okay, let's, uh, talk about the Knicks then first. <laughs> um, I'll talk about, I'll talk about the Pacers after why I have them up here, but, uh, let's talk about the Knicks because the Knicks have been, well, we talked about it last pod, but the Knicks have been, <laughs> they've been awesome. It's been yeah. fun. Wa- the, like the NBA is fun when the Knicks are decent. Like as much as we like to complain about, Oh, it's New York. They get all the attention. They've been bad forever. The Knicks are a cool franchise. They have a cool stadium. They have a great fan base. And it's awesome to see when the Knicks are good again. I just wish the Madison Square Garden was there to see it in person. Um, oh, my God. New York would be insufferable if they, dude, if they had fans. They're already insufferable. It's great. <laughs> It's great. Julius Randle was an all-star. They got the Knicks got a representative on the all-star team. RJ Barrett, I mean, he's his shot is inconsistent as hell, but he could barrel to the rim. He's been shooting like 40% from three in the last 20 games. Emmanuel Quickly is everybody's favorite Knicks point guard since Jeremy Lin. Um let's Kevin Knox, like not playing that much. Still Kevin Knox, the dangly kid who doesn't really know what he's doing out there. So that hasn't changed. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mitchell Robinson, he's probably... I I don't know how far he is away from uh, coming back, but um, he's another nice player I like. Tibbs has him playing defense, man. And, uh, you know, it, their offense, it's going to be touch and go all year. That's just the construction of this team. This team's not very good offensively talented-wise, but... Tibbs has them playing their ass off on the defensive end. He doesn't care what kind of shots they take. And uh yeah, Tibbs should I Tibbs should be getting a few co- uh votes for coach of the year. He should uh, he's not going to win it. Absolutely. But uh I Coach's imagine gonna there's going to be some media members that vote Tibbs for coach of the year and he'll deserve it. Absolutely. He's he's been great. And uh I just love I love it's like any Tibbs team. I just love how hard they're playing. There's there's a lot of hustle. There's a lot of like they're doing some fun stuff out there. Bro, Julius Randle's hitting step back threes. Like, I'm sure I was a yeah. big Julius Randle fan uh, when he was coming out of uh, when he was coming out of Kentucky. And um I now didn't you're just see a this. bigger one. I didn't see <laughs> yeah, now I'm just a bigger one now. But I'm sure you as a Laker fan, it warms your heart to see when any of the oh, young absolutely. guy when any of the young guys from that team do well. Um I love it. I um love it. but uh yeah, man. Um uh, 23 and 11 and five assists on very high efficiency, like, and playing his ass off on the defensive end. Like, he had like all this defensive potential too with the Lakers, especially when Luke Walton came in that one year. And I make the joke all the time, but it was that one year where he actually got everybody to play defense and he's still running on fumes from that credit. <laughs> um, but Randall's been awesome for the Knicks, and it's just fun to see. Um, you know, Knicks fans have some hope and, you know, puff out their chest a little bit and talk that shit, you know? Yeah, it's it's great. I love it. I love I love watching watching them play. They're so exciting. They're playing hard and they're playing for something. You can tell that there's like a real effort there that that you don't really see too often from like. And if you don't young... play well, you get sat on the bench. Yeah. Which, you know, like that, the, you know, there's been a whole lot of like changes in coaching philosophy over the last decade and stuff like that and Tibbs is considered more old school but I actually 
like this approach for players on the Knicks because it's like, oh, I have to actually get better and so I can earn my minutes. And I think that's been beneficial for them. Like if RJ Barrett isn't playing well, guess what? You're riding the pine for Emmanuel quickly will take your place in the fourth quarter. No problem. And RJ Barrett's like, oh crap, I have to play better. And so he'll come in for the next 10 and he'll barrel his way to the rim, play hellacious defense, a point of attack defense. And that's, I just like the system they have going over there. Um, Mm -hmm. The reason I have the Pacers over the Knicks is because one, I, I'm still kind of going off the stuff they were doing early this season, but I have to remember they've been injured as well. And so they have, they haven't had TJ Warren for a lot of the year. Jeremy land just came back a few weeks ago. So he's been playing better, but like, or he's been, you know, working his way back, but those injuries kind of started piling up for the Pacers, which is why they kind of started falling off. And when guys like Doug McDermott, and Justin Holiday, guys who are normally getting normal bench minutes start getting start borderline starters minutes. I think that difference was kind of weighing them down. There was more responsibility on Sabonis and uh, Malcolm Brogdon. And so I think what they've just needed was getting, I think what they need is to get their wings back. There's two scoring wings back in particular. Um, Karis LeVert sounds like he's coming back soon, which I'm glad he is feeling healthy after finding that mass on his uh, kidney. Um, I'm glad it sounds like he's doing well and is on track to come back, but they need LeVert and TJ Warren scoring for me to, uh, and I think once they come back, I think everything else falls in place for this Pacers roster that I'm basically just going off of what they're going to look like when fully healthy. Because I think when this team's fully healthy, they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of good, very good, but not great talent to, say, match the Celtics or the Heat or or then the next step upper echelon tier in the East with the Sixers, Bucks, and Nets. But they have a lot of good talent, and they play together, and I think their skill sets all fit together well in a nice way. So when you put TJ Warren and Karis LeVert back in the rotation, Justin Holiday and Doug McDermott play their normal minutes. TJ McConnell can do TJ McConnell things. Um, get Miles eight steals Tur- and a half. Get eight steals and a half, or nine steals, actually. He got a triple-double in steals by the end of it, too, <laughs> which is wild. Um, but with that, with those two, Sabonis, Malcolm Brogdon, Turner, that's a solid starting five. Like, Brogdon, yeah. LeVert. Uh, Warren, Turner, Sabonis, and then coming off the bench is just is a uh, Justin Holiday, um, Doug McDermott, McConnell, and then you can mix and match lineups that way. They have a they have well, I don't know how good of a coach he'll be, but Nate Bjorken is trying stuff, and he's obviously bringing some of his philosophies over from Toronto when he was with Nick Nurse. So I think with fully healthy, uh, that's why mainly I have the Pacers at the top of this tier. Because if they're fully healthy, I'd probably put them in the next tier. Uh, probably a, shoot them up above the Raptors right behind the uh, Heat and the uh, Celtics. No, I totally can see that argument. Uh, I just, I don't, I, I just haven't seen it enough. And like, I don't have as much faith of like, they're going to put it together in time. Yeah, um, that, that, that's the thing. Like the second half of the season is going to be jam-packed too with games, by the way. Yeah. It's, so yeah. that's the only reason why I put them below. Uh, the the spicy one to me is the Hornets. I have the Hornets above the Pacers as well. Um, yeah, yeah. 
Well, I mean, I just, yo, I, go I ahead. Think, I just think they're fun, and I think they're running. I think they're try, they're playing real hard. I think Lamelo's given them like a real sense of like energy since he's been in the starting lineup. Like you can tell how much he he leads the team in just kind of a an attitude way. Where yeah. when he when he pushed the floor, it's it's like any point guard, right? When you get a great point guard that 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 loves to pass and like run the floor, like it inspires the entire team to get the out entire and team play, runs the floor and and play defense and get out and, and run on the fast break and like it the the inspiration there is so real and you can see it every time they play. Um, and I just think they're getting better. Like Lamelo's getting better and more confident. And every time I watch them, they're in games. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter who it is. It if the team is a top tier team or a bottom tier team, they're always in it and they're always ready to go. And it's like yep. the consistency there is they're getting more and more consistent. I think second half of the season, given the break, given given some time to think and, and re scheme and think do things over, like I think I think they're gonna be great in the second half here. Um I don't know how like, feasible it is, but I think a Vucevic trade to here would actually be the most fun for me. Um, it would. That would be so much fun. Uh, I really love their closing, like some of their closing lineups where they just go completely small. Like it's like Lamelo, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, uh, Miles Bridges, and PJ Washington. Yeah. Or, you know, Devontae Graham, he's been a uh, Malik Monk has had a resurgence too, by the way. Are the Malik I think they're Monk... going to trade. I think they're going to look to trade Graham because probably, yeah. This, at this point, I don't know where he fits. Yeah, he probably is still as a probably still as a bench scorer. That but they already have Malik Monk as a research of uh, the Malik Monk res, uh, Renaissance. Uh, so Devonte Graham, I don't. Yeah, he, I don't know where he would probably still get minutes, but I'd imagine he's on the trading block now, or Malik Monk maybe. Like one of those two, I imagine are going to be traded. But I think if the Hornets got Vucevic, that would actually be pretty fucking dope because. Uh, There'd be more passing angles for Lamelo to see with Vooch spacing out the floor. The pick and pop game would be the pick and roll game between those two. I'm just like imagining that right now. The so the thing is too, I think I think Vooch Vooch is an underrated playmaker at the big spot too. Yeah, I think he he ha- he's a great relay passer, and I think like playing off Lamelo, like it's it's so contagious, right? I think that they'll be able to find cutters and and do some really interesting stuff out of that pick and roll. He's averaging 25 and 12 on four assists a game on 41% shooting from three on almost on six and a half attempts per game. And um, the, he's been he's been awesome. The, he's been awesome this year on a very broken down, injured magic team that um, Man, that I so had sad. way high up. But now <laughs> they're so in the, uh, I love their I love their roster when healthy. I love Jonathan <laughs> Isaac. <laughs> that is literally that is literally the mis- the not the misnomer, the disclaimer with the magic. When healthy, <laughs> I, I like Fultz. I like Jonathan Isaac. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked earlier in the year about how much I love Cole Anthony. Yeah, who's but... playing really well, by the way. Uh, yeah, Gor- Aaron Aaron Gordon is still one of the most He's fun still... guys to watch in the league. Yeah, we still can't figure out a position for Aaron Gordon. <laughs> like we, we're like, what is it, year seven? He's a, he's a he... three through five. Yeah, um, still trying to fit. Jerry's still out of that one. Um, Evan Evan Fournier's only played twenty games this year. Um, he's been in a lot of trade rumors. Uh, I'd imagine Terrence Ross. Uh, they're I think the Magic low key are going to be sellers because just because yeah. the injuries are too much. Overwhelming. And, yeah, it's, it's kind of overwhelming. You might as well get some assets for Gordon Vucevic. Like they have decent players, right? Um, but you know. 
Um, back to, but let's go back to the Hornets for a second. Um, the Hornets are definitely going to be one of the more interesting teams, obviously, in in this in this whole thing because they weren't supposed to be here. Lamelo ever since the ever since Lamelo got the starting job, the Hornets have been supercharged. And uh, Borrego's a good coach; they play hard, and um, they're they're going to be they're going to be. I don't know how much of a i want to say they could be like a tough out like maybe like a tough four get four games to one series or whatever i don't know if they can i don't know if they could be a tough out they could be an annoying out they could be an annoying out that that's that's probably that's probably uh more accurately put they're definitely they're, gonna they're be the an annoying of, they're team. the kind of team they're the kind of team where they'll they'll get down by 10 and you'll think you'll coast but they just you can't get that lead you can't quit against them yeah, like, you can't get that lead can't. above ten. Like it's just, it's just gonna. They're just gonna keep fighting back. Mm. So uh, the Wizards, huh? Yeah, I have the Wizards here. I do too. Well, well I have the Bulls. <laughs> I have the Bulls. I have the Bulls above the Wizards. Um, just I have the Wizards here, just because Bradley Beal and Westbrook won't let them quit. <laughs> Yeah, they won't let them quit from being the twelfth seed. They could be the tenth. Seed. <laughs> yeah, like, they could be the tenth seed in a game and a half. <laughs> they're tr- they're trying. Like I feel so bad because every night I see Bradley Beal putting up like fifty, sixty. Is this points, a sympathy? It... Is this a sympathy ranking? <laughs> no, because I, again, I I do like their pieces. Like Denny's back and he's playing decent. In terms, like his stats don't show up, but every time I watch him on the court, he's doing he's doing the things you need to be doing. Um, and I, I still like Rui. I still think Rui is a is a great piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I do love just there's there's a certain amount of like tenacity when you have Westbrook and Beal. Their games that, are wild. I will I will give them that. They've been winning a lot recently too. So yeah, they, they should, have. Yeah, and again, it's not like they get blown out a ton. They lose a lot of close games. Yeah, because so, their offense will always keep them in it. <laughs> yeah, like they yeah. they always lose a couple like really really close games, and so it's the thing of it's always on a, on a razor's edge. Like this is when I talk the next every other team here at the bottom. So I have five teams at the very very bottom. I have two different tiers, but I have two. I have the bottom five teams that I have are teams that just get blown out consistently on it. Like where I look and I go, wow, how, okay, they lost by twenty. Okay, great, and it doesn't surprise me at all anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with the teams all above this, so the Knicks, the Hornets, Raptors, Pacers, Wizards are all teams that are pretty middling 500 teams as we we're looking at the standings, but they're not getting blown out. Like these games are close still. They're still competitive in these games where yeah. I don't, I'm not like when they get blown out, I go, whoa, what happened? Whereas the other teams below this tier, I'm looking and I'm going, yeah, I, okay, cool. They get blown out regularly. It doesn't surprise me. Yeah, the Washington Wizards, they've kind of been improving <laughs> for their standards on the defensive end as well over the last few weeks. So uh, Yeah, they've, they've only been giving up 130 yeah, instead of 140. They've only, yeah, they've only, been, they've only been giving up 112 points per 100 possessions <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to 115 points per 100 possessions where they are almost last overall in the season. Um yes, man. Yeah, uh, in a play-in scenario, uh, obviously the Wizards would be dangerous just because they have Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. Um, I think Russell Westbrook still at this point is, for the most part, has been a negative player. He's been playing better. It's weird. He's also trying new 
I don't like Zach Lowe pointed this out, and this is why I love Zach Lowe. He's my favorite writer, NBA media person to read and consume content. Um, he noticed this too, but it seems like Westbrook is also trying to figure out um basically on the fly the mechanics to his jump shot because he's trying new arcs. Sometimes it'll go that shit will go really high to the ceiling. Sometimes it's a straight line laser. And it's like it seems like he's trying to figure out the post athletic career of Westbrook. Now last year he seemed fine, but then he had the quad injuries and on top of him having COVID. Um, so maybe we should still give him some time here, but it just seems like we're kind of at that point where Westbrook is now starting to figure he seems like he's trying to be like, okay, how do, how can I shoot better? Um, how can I age well? And, um, he's basically not taking any threes and, uh, not taking as many mid rangers as he used to. So he's kind of just going to the rim and getting stuck more often than I've seen him before. Um, this is, this is, the Wizards are just a weird team, man. Like the the players, I like them. Beal is awesome. I would like I commend Beal for being loyal to the Wizards franchise. But at this point, I would love to see him on a, a really good team. And I and he, and even I hate like the whole whenever ESPN does the shit where they're like get small player out of small market S X and put them in big market team X, right? Um, yes. But for Beal specifically, it just I commend him for sticking it out, but man, that that organization has made bad decision after bad decision. They fumbled away what could have been a really good backcourt with Wall and Beal. Some of it injuries, but also some of it was decision-making and trading away draft capital. But yeah, um, I, I would still have the Bulls over them just because I like what Zach Levine's done this year. I think Billy Donovan has also pulled the best out of him. Laurie Marketing has been better this year. Wendell Carter's starting to show some more flashes. Um, I really think it's going to... Some team's going to pick up Wendell Carter Jr. and they're going to get a steal because I really think he's going to need two years at least to scrub himself of, you know, two years of Jim Boylan as his head coach and telling him not to shoot threes and not to pass the ball and not do the skilled things that Wendell Carter was known for coming out of Duke. So, uh, but I I like their talent a bit more. It's a bit more cohesive. Would still like to see a few floor connectors there just in terms of passing. But they got him playing hard. They're in a lot of close games. And Zach Levine has been fucking fun to watch this year. Um, but uh, I think they're all right there jumbled in with the, with the Wizards, the Hornets, the Pacers, the Knicks. The Pacers as constructed right now. But the Bulls are definitely one of those play-in teams that I also think obviously would be dangerous in any scenario just because they have somebody like uh, Zach Levine to uh, you know pull out a game. Yeah. For sure. Um, the next tier, this is where we get to the bottom tiers. Um, this, this, the previously I called this tier, tier number four, those extra fries you find at the bottom of the bag. Um, I think the Cavs, <laughs> the Cavs would qualify as a nice surprise because I have the Cavs in the lottery hunting. We'll watch no more than 10 games tier. And I, end up, and I have ended up watching more than 10 games of the Cavs this year because they've just been awesome. But um, I have the Cavs in this tier and then the hawks are the soggy fry that you find at the bottom of the bag that's not even good and you're just like well how'd this get here and you throw it away um but the Cavs have been a revelation to watch they've had their ups and downs they've had a really bad stretch where they've lost like 10 in a row 
Um, but they were also injured. Um, what moves they make at the deadline, we'll see, because it seems like they're going to be sellers, especially um, with the whole Andre Drummond thing. We'll see if they part with Larry Nance, who has, you know, when healthy, has been a really good defender slash playmaker. Um, but I like what I like the leaps Colin Sexton and Darius Garland have taken. Garland's been more injured this year than, you know, Cavs fans um, expected probably, but he's taken the leap. I think Jared Allen is a snug, a snug fit with this Cavs team. I cannot believe the Cavs still got um, Jared Allen out of that trade. He's the perfect center they need. Um, Basically, when Andre Drummond stopped giving a shit is when the Cavs had their really bad stretch. Because early on, Drummond was, you know, doing the 2018 all-star form Andre Drummond thing where he was trying a little bit on defense, got his hands on a lot of deflections and steals, was passing at the high elbow. But as Jared Allen came in, he stopped giving a shit. And then, you know, they basically put him in street clothes now and they're waiting to trade him. Um, But that should be to the elation of Cavs fans because Jared Allen is awesome and he has been awesome since he's been with the team. And I really just like this core now. You look at it of Sexton, Garland, Okoro, and um, Jared Allen. I do kind of want them to sneakily get into the lottery. So maybe if they win the Cade sweepstakes, they'd have to trade one of those guys. And then their backcourt would really be set. Because I do think there's a ceiling with that type of backcourt. But I like what the Cavs have done this year. Uh, The Hawks, they are a different story, though. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, who is in your tier four in this one? I have the Cavs and the Hawks. Uh, I have the Hawks and the Bulls here. So same reasons. I have the they're just they're just teams where I go, man, they have pieces, but I don't like any of them. <laughs> yeah. And the Hawks have had injuries too to players that I do like to watch on that team. Like I've loved watching DeAndre Hunter, Bogdan Bogdanovich. I've I've loved watching since the Sacramento days. Um Trey Young is uh it's some half the time it's a chore. <laughs> to watch his games not gonna lie we talked about this last pod um i i think his style is annoying to watch especially for some reason just this year i've just found it more annoying to watch um but i do like kevin herter too he's more than just a spot-up shooter he's actually a skilled player um john collins we'll see what they do with them at the trade deadline but um yeah they have a lot of talented pieces and it seems like it was all built around trey young but it turns out you just need guys who know how to play basketball a little bit. And also Trey Young might need to change his playing style a little bit. I still don't get, of course, Lloyd Pierce got the ax. He got the blame for it. I imagine the GM might be next if they don't make the playoffs, but yeah, I have the Hawks in this, in this uh, tier as well, just cause just, just cause you know, they, they've disappointed they give up a lot of points, and I just offensively, I just don't like how they're constructed. Yeah, totally fair. All right, so tier five, we are now winding down the tier list on the Eastern Conference. Who is in your tier five now at this point? I imagine you you have the two of the teams I have. Uh, yeah, I have the Cavs, the Magic, and the Pistons. Okay, so that's interesting. So, what is it about the Cavs that you do you don't have them in the uh, extra fries category? Are they like a 
Is it an extra chicken nugget? Was that fry soggy for you, or what was it? <laughs> I'm, I just don't, I don't like their roster at all. I'm very much like, I don't like, I've never been a Colin Sexton guy. I just don't like him for some reason. Whatever my bias is, I just don't like him. Uh, I'm okay on Darius Garland, and plus they've they've both been in and out of the, the lineup with injuries. The Isaac Okoro injury was kind of like that's someone that I liked. That okay, once he went out, I was like okay, man, on this team. And then Kevin Love, I like, but he's also hasn't been injured. I don't like the amount of bigs they have. Like it just their roster is so weird to me. Uh, Javale, I like, but I don't like in in the role they're using him in. I love Jared Allen, but again. I, he's uh he can't do it alone. I don't think he's the guy that's going to carry a team, and I don't, I just don't like anything any part of their roster. I'm I don't know what their roster is. If that makes sense. I think their roster is pretty clear. I think their future is Sexton, Garland, um, Okoro, and Jared Allen. I yeah. think those. So I think I, all those know, pieces fit together. I know together. what. So okay, let me be clear. I know what their roster is. I just don't like it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I I don't know. I just think. Uh, Colin Sexton has proven everybody wrong, especially me, as I was a huge Colin Sexton doubter myself. But <clears throat> I like the player he's become. I think his three-point shot has been real for a while now. Like, all the things that... All the criticisms that Colin Sexton has had coming out of college, well, aside from, you know, the playmaking, but Darius Garland is yeah. the playmaker, really, in that backcourt. Um, the shooting, the scoring... The all that stuff, his size, whether that's whether the scoring would translate with the size and all that. I think that's all been I think he's proven all of all of those criticisms to be not true. Um, he's been proving it for a few seasons now. I understand your concerns about the the rest of the roster. I just think it's one of those things where not the rest of the roster to me really doesn't matter if they have like their four. They oh, yeah, have, no, like, I don't, their I don't think the rest guys. of the I don't think the rest of the roster matters. For the future but like yeah. for this season for where i'm watching them i'm just like i don't i don't care about this roster and then when when Okoro's out when sexton and garland are both kind of in and out of the lineup i i'm just like okay i don't i don't want to watch this team and i think they're pretty bad <laughs> wow damn just tossing them out like that damn all right all right not a still not a colin sexton guy i'm still not a colin sexton guy now i just i every time i watch him i and, okay hindsight's 2020 and I don't want to. I don't want to put that on anyone. But when I watch him, man, there's some like really, in my eyes, easy reads to make for a guard. Where it's like there's just there's like a little dump off here, dude. Just kind of like, and it's like, no, he's gonna okay, he's gonna force it up and do something else. Okay, cool. I and could agree with I could agree with the passing aspect of that because he hasn't like, really improved much there. And I'm like, man, I don't I don't feel it's it he's improved a back, little, but it goes back to the thing of like. It's just a guy that looks that's talented that looks like he doesn't know. It's like the Giannis thing where he doesn't know how to play basketball yet. And I'm just like, man, I feel like there's just like easy reads. Or and there's times too I'm watching and he's just like standing or cutting in weird places and it's clogging something that someone else is trying to do. And I'm like, man, you don't know where to stand or you don't know where to be. And it's just like it's so frustrating to watch because I I see a talent in him and I understand the talent in him. I just don't think he gets it yet. And it's just like, I don't know if he will. And I don't know if that's in his game to, to get it. Cause again, like, I don't put it on him of like study the game or whatever, but like he just, there's a feel to it. I don't, I don't get the feel from him that like he understands the flow of a, a basketball game. 
I okay. I think oh, when you put it like when you explain it like that, I think the flow part of the game he is definitely still getting a hang of. I will say um, he has been slightly better with his decision making. There are still easy dump off reads he could make where he drives to the basket and he'll take on two or three dudes instead of the easy dump pass. But I think he's been better at making the reads this year. I think Allen has also helped them. If you look at their, um, if you look at Garland and Sexton's assists um, and their targets uh, since Allen got there, he already, he became the highest targeted player pretty quickly. And I think that helps him a little bit. I just think the, this season has shown me that the Garland Sexton backcourt can work in theory not like a CJ McCollum or Dame Lillard. I, I don't just the facsimile of that, the outline of that. Two small guards that could score, and I think Garland's playmaking and the playmaking bigs they have it is it has also helped Sexton's growth. Um, plus, he's a hard worker, and I and I have learned to also just buy into the work ethic and every part of Sexton's game that I had doubts about. He's proven me wrong so far, so I I I would bet on him still improving as a player. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Cavs caught a little bit of a run here and found themselves in the uh, in the play in in the play in games. I I thought they were going to be a really bad team this year, and they have proven me they have proved as I keep watching them more and more, despite injuries and stuff like that. I just think they they have proven themselves to be better than expected. Sure, I had them. I had them losing more games than they've won so far. So we've. Uh... They've they've surpassed my expectations, but just not enough. I I I I'm just not a fan of them right now. Um, um Magic, it's kind of sad. Um, yeah, I don't we think talked, we, need... we talked about them earlier. It's, yeah, we, it's, it's, it's just the injuries. <laughs> the the injuries. Um, their offense stinks. Vucevic is trying to carry this team, and it just looks like they're going to be sellers soon. Um, the Pistons as well. They uh, <laughs> talk about the Pistons. We talk. We we beat the Pistons I know. Up every week. We I do feel so bad. We do. Well, we did praise Jeremy Grant, um, and we I did. did make a video about Jeremy Grant as well. Uh, I think he is the one salvage him. Him, Isaiah Stewart, and one or two others. I do have a is... question for you, though. Yes. How much of Jeremy Grant's success is bad team? See, here's my whole thing. I think we talked about this last week. My whole team with the good with the good team bad stats guy, I think those guys exist, but those guys usually come with like inefficient numbers. Oh no, I'm not talking right? I'm not talking about good stat like you could to me he's a good player either way, but mm-hmm. how much are his stats amplified because he's the, he has to be the guy and he's the He's he's just oh, trying to def- carry a bad team. It's definitely team. amplified. I w- it, it's definitely I'm not denying that. It's definitely amplified and um he has been struggling a little bit as of late. Um it, his numbers have gone down a little bit, but uh I just think that whole team is <laughs> that whole team is pretty bad. So yeah, his number yeah. there's definitely an inflation factor with his numbers, but I think what you see on in the games and on film is that his handles a little bit tighter. He's taken more pull up dribble three. I think he's, I think he took single digit pull up threes uh, in his entire career before he got to Detroit. And he has <laughs> and now he's just slinging them past that number. And he's still shooting a efficient percentage from three, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of, tr- there's definitely some truth to that, that because he is the guy on this really bad team, 
that the numbers are that the numbers are maybe a little bit inflated, but um, I think with as the Pistons, hopefully if the Pistons figure out how to add more. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to do it, but maybe <laughs> their draft picks. Maybe because I love their draft. I love their draft haul, right? Like Sadiq Bay is another keeper I would have. I love Sadiq uh, Bay. Sadiq Bay was. Just one of those no-brainer players. It's like, oh, surprise, surprise, Sadiq Bey is good in his role in the NBA. It's like Desmond Bain on the Grizzlies. It's like, oh, I am shocked this 6'8", 3 and D player is doing exactly what his bill is, 3 and D. Long boys. <laughs> Long boys. But no, um, it, it's, it, it, it'll just depend on what the talent is they have around him. But I think the leap that we saw from Grant this year was real. He's improved oh, every year. Yeah, but yeah, there is absolutely. a little bit. There's a little bit of inflation there. I will. I will give you that. I will give you that. There is inflation for sure. Because I think. I think honestly, it's like if he, if they had another guy on there, and if he had, like Blake Griffin, was, no. like yeah, if he had, <laughs> no. If he had, <laughs> if he had, if he had some help, and they're winning games, I don't think we'd be seeing this astronomical jump from him statistically. Yeah. Um, cause he's obvious, like when you watch, have you watched Pist- any Pistons games at all? Not in the last, not in the last uh, few weeks. No, <laughs> it is like, it is like, <laughs> it's funny. I was watching it the other day and I was, I was seriously close to getting out my iPad and like just taking notes where I did watch them when like, they played the Kings though. <clears throat> I was, That's about I was it. Watch, I was watching them and it, their, their offense in the half court is literally like give Jeremy Grant the ball and like screen for it's like the Steph Curry ball of just like give him yeah. the ball and, and screen and like just try to get him open and set him score because that's all they can do right that's all they have really no other offensive tools the other all the other guys that they have are either defensive three and D guys or like you know they don't really have anyone that can create their own shot it's only Jeremy Grant yeah it's uh. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not great. They they did <laughs> they did play the Kings at the end of uh they did play the Kings a, a few weeks back. So that was the one Pistons game I had seen in the last few weeks. But uh, they uh, yeah, they, they're they're a bad they they're bad now. And also, Grant's <laughs> now day to day with a quad injury. They only have nine wins. Like it's uh, it is it is time for them to start thinking about um, you know. Cade Cunningham, Cade Cunningham scenarios, you know, um, but uh, yeah, See, like, the Pistons Cade are would, probably Cade dead would, last. Cade would, Cade with Jeremy Grant could be really interesting. Yeah, they yeah, um, it, actually, Cade, like, I feel like the jury's still out on Killian Hayes, especially because he was injured to start the year. We have to remember with this rookie class too, like this season is not normal. Like, no. so the fact that they're prepa- that they're playing like this overall as a draft class is impressive, but. No training, shortened training camp, very limited practice during the season, and all that stuff. That has had an impact on players, and it, we forget about it. So we, it's funny we acknowledge these elements, but we still assess and talk about the league the same way as we would in a normal season. So I think we forget that factor sometimes. Um, we do, but uh, but I mean, it, it it's all it's all we're just taking everything with a great with yeah what exactly we see in front of us. Right? But, uh, we can't really. The Pistons are dead last, like in my and opinion. they're very like, bad. They're they're very bad. They're at the bottom of the tier, so they would be in the F tier of this of this fighting tier list, so to speak. They're in the they're in the unusable tier. They're in the uh, the, the restaurant. Tier. They're they're in the this the restaurant forgot my order tier. <laughs> 
no no extra fries at the bottom of that bag <laughs> that's when you that's when you get home and you open you open the bag and you realize you they forgot your fries oh my god oh so <laughs> this was a few months back but uh the Mc, the mcdonald's that's down the street from my house or my apartment i decided you know go through the drive through get a get a burger quick bite to eat before i go into work and i get my double quarter pounder and you know every they've been messing up the order a lot they've messed up orders a, a bit but you know my dumbass decided to go back there anyway and uh I get my double quarter pounder with cheese, open it, looks normal. You know, the bun is there, all that stuff. I pick it up and the bot, my thumb is at the bottom of the sandwich, but I don't oh, feel no. a bun. I feel meat. And I'm just like, <laughs> wait, what? And I look and they forgot the bottom bun <laughs> of the burger. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> of all the, that's of the, all the things, of the all the thing? things to forget, the bottom part of the bun is what you forgot <laughs> so i'm sitting here just holding this sa- it looks normal at the top i'm opening the box i'm like hell yeah finally i'm starving and then i grab it and i'm just like wait a minute i don't feel bread here like what what <laughs> uh anyway it, it, it i would yeah th- that was a uh, that was annoyed but uh yeah little little uh mess up just on the subject of orders being messed up figured i'd share that story you want me to give you a stat before we go i know we have a heart out here but uh wanted to give you a stat that should have steve kerr in jail um speaking of fourth quarters um and you know steph curry you mentioned steph curry uh a bit ago he is 321st in uh actually i'm gonna pull the stat up so i can accurately Get so I can accurately say it on here. Stephen Curry is 321st in fourth quarter minutes, <laughs> and Brad That's Wanamaker ridiculous. is top five. <laughs> well, well, to be fair, they're either blown out teams or they're getting blown out. They've been in a lot of close games lately, though. Lately. Like, I've seen games where Steve Kerr will put Steph in with like seven six minutes left and i'm like bruh <laughs> like this is this this is the seven six minute mark what are you doing like sometimes i speak sometimes i feel like he's just like oh guys it's the fourth quarter this is when i usually sit stuff <laughs> like or like before the fourth quarter they're like this is the part where the bench extends the lead while step is on the bench and i'm like uh katie isn't here anymore <laughs> that's andrew wiggins that's oh, Kelly. U- They've been playing better, though. I, Kelly Oubre, yeah, especially. Kelly Oubre has been playing a lot. Kelly Oubre has been brought back from the dead because he was bad to start the year. But yeah, uh, Steve Kirsch, is, Warren has been put out for his arrest. We should have a segment, uh, Warren for basketball arrest <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> when you see when we see something we don't like, we can just call a foul on it. <laughs> oh my god! All right, liked, yeah. Well. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hit you with a doozy with that one, huh? Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk about that next week more when we talk about the West. Yeah, um, the West should be fun too. Yeah, the, this we we decided to do the East because this one had the sardines in the middle that was a little more easy to to get through. Um, where yeah, but all, the West, the, the fun part. The, fun part of the West is there's there's like there could be some spice everywhere 
in the in, fun part of the West is I'm there's a 90% chance I'm gonna slander the Jazz next week. Oh, there's a hundred percent chance I'm gonna slander the Jazz next week, and it's okay, a hundred percent slander then for me too, then <laughs> <laughs> because we, uh... I really want to. I have some Jazz jokes to get off. <laughs> It's the Utah Jizz. The, oh, oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> you went there. You went there. I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, be, be sure to tune in next week for to, to watch us. Uh, to, to watch us. Watch us the... shit on the Jazz. <laughs> <laughs> that Sixers win over the Jazz just the super. I I am living off fumes on that, especially after the All Star draft and shit. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh... We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll not spoil it here. Yeah, we'll wrap about it next week. <laughs> Thanks for watching, you guys. We'll see you guys next week. The B.O.B.